0: All right, Coach Mike Murray, how are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm good, Brett. How are you?
0: Good. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you coming on.
1: Anytime. Anytime.
0: Well, I'll have to admit, you're my first uh, full-time club coach that I'm interviewing for the program, so it's exciting to get into kind of some specifics of what you do as a coach as well.
1: Yeah, it's a busy time of year for us club coaches.
0: Yeah, so what's going on right now? We're, we're kind of just in the the thrust of, you know, the, the end of the season where it's coming up to the real competitions. So where are you guys at with the season and what are you aiming for? Exactly.
1: So our eight group championships for our LSC are in 14 days, and that's the 12 and under group. So we're getting that group ready. And then the following week, we have our senior championship meet. So right now, everything is all hands-on-deck preparations for those. We did a little three-day rest meet this past weekend in Albany, New York. Um, and on short sure rest, for most of our senior athletes, they did incredibly well. So uh, we're excited. We had a girl who, who's been right around making juniors for the first time, finally make the breakthrough, and she had a great 500, went 452, made her first hundred junior cut. So if we continue on this uh, upward trend, I'm I'm really positive about what's going to happen here at the end of the season.
0: Awesome, man. So, how do you plan out for your season? You've obviously, as a club coach, you've got many different kids at different levels, and 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 they're all aiming for different things. So how do you how do you plan the season?
1: That's a great question, and that's something that we spend a lot of time on. And I would say the time that Unfortunately, we spend the majority of our time planning this is in August. And as you know, that's the time for Swim coaches to take a break. So even on the break, you know, we're trying to be full steam ahead, planning out our season. So here at Victor, we really try to have two tracks. We have an age group track that we plan for, and then we have our senior track. And it's really something that myself uh, and our administrative staff and coaches work together on the shoot for. So for our age groupers, and when I say age group, really I mean 18 and under, but in this case, we look at it as 12 and under. Our age groupers, we're gonna rest them mid-season in December, we'll do a full taper for them. And that mirrors what the senior group does. And then we have used the IMX meet in Maryland in late January, early February, as a good opportunity for our age group swimmers to compete at kind of a national level meet. And the IMX games, the athletes compete in all the IMX events, which club coaches would be familiar with. And then they're ranked according to their age group and their times and how well they score. So that's kind of their first introduction into what I would call a national level meet. So we did that in January and they did very, very well. Uh, we had a couple kids in the top 10 in the Eastern zone. So we were thrilled with that and we gave them a little rest for that. And then we bumped them right back up. And then for our senior swimmers to kind of mirror that experience, we did a, a regional meet that's been going on for a long time in Albany. In fact, the, the young man, Kieran Smith, who broke the, the NCAA record and American record, he has all of the meet records at this competition. So it was kind of neat to see how well he did last night. Um, But uh, it's a very good competition. It's very fast. A lot of good teams from New England. Um, So we competed there on a little short rest. And now we're really getting specific. So a lot of speed work uh, for both the age groupers and the senior program. And we will go to our LSC championship qualifier meet this weekend. That's for the kids who are really trying to make cuts. So they're rested for that um and then we have our lsc champs for the age groupers in two weeks and then seniors in three weeks and then after that we have the speedo sectional meet which is long course in the olympic year and i love doing long course prep at the end of short course season we just have so much more time to prepare for long course races and we'll finish our senior athletes there and the younger kids will do zones that same weekend so You know, a lot of planning, a lot that goes into it, a lot of coverage from staff. So you really have to map it out back in August to get to the point where we are right now.
0: Yeah, man, you got a lot going on. So you're up in Victor, New York, which is, I'm looking at the map right now. It's up kind of near Rochester and, and not too far away from the Canadian border, right? That's exactly right. Yep. How'd you end up that far up?
1: So it's actually a a great story. Um, I had a a great job that I loved at Marist College. It was the first club coaching gig I had. Uh, And when I was first starting, my family uh, moved out to Western New York, and it just so happened that Victor was building a new pool, uh, and they needed a coach. And I had been coaching out here in a small town in a really small club uh, with about 75 athletes, and we were doing really well. And Victor had just finished this pool. So uh, my best friend and uh, my associate head coach at Victor, Brett Leader, we both left our jobs at Mercury, which is a small swim club. Um, and we, we essentially restarted the program at Victor. Um, and in, in two and a half years, we, we built it into a, a USA Swimming Metal Excellence Club. And it was uh, just a great experience. I was there for five years. I went down to Long Island. I had a great time down in Long Island. really enjoyed my time there. And then at the end of my contract down there, Victor offered me to come back, and uh, it was an easy move.
0: Wow, man. And how many swimmers do you have in the program, and how many coaches do you have?
1: So we have uh, essentially three full-time coaches. We have a staff of about seven coaches. Uh, and we are the largest we have ever been. Um, we are up to 151 athletes as of yesterday, <clears throat> kind of apropos question. And, um, we just opened a brand new site at the end of last year. So we, for the first time ever in our club's history, we actually have a satellite. Um, so we're, we're really excited about it. It's growing and there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm and, and the numbers are very heavy in the 12 and under ranks, which is you know, good for the health of our program moving
0: forward. Nice, man. And how did you originally get into coaching? Like why, what was the draw for you in the, into swim coaching?
1: I thought I was either going to be a, an attorney um, or, or a teacher. So that was kind of the plan. Um, and then at every class I had, I found myself writing main sets. Uh, and I said to my dad, I said, you know, I, I think I, I think I just want to coach uh, a little nervous, you know, about what he might say or think. And he said, well, why don't you go full force? And, uh, that was great. And that, that was after, um, my first year of grad school and my high school coach had been working out at Stanford with Skip Kenny and Richard Quick at the time. And he said, Mike, why don't you come out and, and be a counselor? So I went out there and uh, one of my roommates was our friend, Nate Scholl, swim nerd. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and Nate and I have been close ever since, uh, but we coached out there together for about three years. Uh, and Skip and at the time, Lee Maurer, Richard, had just left to go back to Auburn. Uh, they let me be on deck with them and their athletes every day for practice. So for three summers, I was on deck with you know some of the best athletes in the world at Stanford, and it really opened my eyes to what was possible.
0: Shout, shout out to Nate, by the way. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, Richard. Richard was always like that with with anybody that came on deck. He he would let people get hands-on experience. It wasn't just stand around and watch me watch me work, you know. But um, you know what? So you're you're in a college kind of environment for a while there so why not go into the college realm why the why the club coaching
1: so you're right so in fact um, my first job I I got hired at my alma mater uh, at St. Lawrence University um, and I, I was a grad assistant there for two years Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought I wanted to be a college coach, and a, a bigger assistant job opened up at a, a Division three school called Vassar College in Poughkeepsie. I did that for two years, and at the end of the second year, uh, there was a Division one school in town, Marist College, and for a long time they had a phenomenal uh, swim club called Marist Swim Club, and they needed a new senior coach. So I started coaching club while I was still at Vassar and eventually got hired to be the division one assistant at Marist where I was for several years. Uh, and that coaching club and college at the same time, I mean, Brett, I was going into morning practice at six and I was leaving at nine o'clock after West coast. Recruiting calls. Um, and I loved it, but I felt like I wanted to have more control over what the athletes were doing. And as a club coach who's having nine practices a week and seeing the kids all the time, the club side of things just, it, it felt more of a fit for me and what I wanted to do programmatically as the head coach at Marist at the time. And then eventually when I became a head coach for the first time.
0: Yeah. Makes sense to me. Talk to us about that, the, the control thing because it's not, you want to control people but you want to control the variables right so talk to us about the things that you could see that you really couldn't control and then maybe in the club setting how you're able to control those variables
1: one of the things that I'm always amazed by college coaches is that they really have to put on their human development hat first you have a bunch of young people that essentially are in your care full time for the majority of the year and they're your responsibility and that is a tremendous uh responsibility for any coach for any coaching staff to take on um and they're young kids that they're going to do a lot of things that operate outside of the functionality of fast <laughs> that's just a a fact on college kids not all but a lot and that can be really hard to do. And I'm so amazed by the job that that college coaches do with that. Somebody that you just had on your program, one of the people who I think does that the best is Matt Kredich. Um, Just an incredible mentor first. Uh, And as a result of that, his teams always achieve high levels of success in the pool. But I think, you know, when you know Matt and you talk to Matt, you know that that program you know, he, he is leading with the heart. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see as a club coach, you know, I feel like I don't have to worry about a lot of the, uh, social experiences that they're going through. It's it's not something that terribly worries me, uh, when they're on, you know, when they're not swimming on the weekends, uh, I know that they're home and they're safe and they're probably being forced to make good choices if they're not making good choices on their own. Um, and so that, that to me has always been, I, I've always kind of pushed myself more towards the club side of things because of that.
0: Hmm. So you feel like that the the parental um, guidance and responsibility is there with the club swimmers so that it kind of eliminates some of those factors that you face in college where, the parents aren't there anymore, and kids are kind of running around doing what they want or through peer pressure and things like that. But in the club setting, at least they're, they're going home to their parents every night, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, you're not going to – the swimmers at, at the best schools in
1: the country, they're, for the most part, making very good choices. You know, swimming is that important to them. Uh, but it can be extraordinarily challenging at some of the, the schools that all competing for the national championship every year. You know that responsibility that burden is still falling on you and, and it's a hard one to carry um, it's certainly something that we talk about a lot with our athletes of at victor character development making good choices uh, but it's not something that i constantly have to be worried about
0: yeah and and to be honest it was one of the main things that i struggled with at auburn as a head coach uh, as an assistant i always felt like i could come in and just coach and I was free, and i was there was a freedom in that, and so I came in every day energized and and i I could walk off deck and not have to worry about the problems that were going to happen off the deck now when I took over as the head coach, um, I felt a, a huge burden and i and I started to get bogged down in the the little the things that were going on away from the pool, and it took away from my ability to be the best coach I could possibly be. And it's one of the reasons why I ended up um, getting out of college coaching because I was just getting stuck in all the other stuff. You know, when you're managing 60 to 70 athletes and like you said, the majority of them are making really good choices, but you've got 20, 20 to 30 making some poor choices on a regular basis, (laughs) Um, right, it was real tough for me, and I didn't handle it well. If that was something I look back on, I didn't. I wasn't handling it like Matt Kredich. You know, I think Matt does a fantastic job of being able to handle the stuff, like you said, off the deck, and then come back and and be the best coach you can be. And I seem to get stuck in a lot of that stuff from time to time, and get pulled away from what I felt like I was <laughs> really good at, and that was the coaching on the deck in the pool. Um, So that's something that wasn't good for me as a head coach. You know, I I know that that just didn't fit my personality in that sense, you know?
1: Absolutely. And it's hard because you want to be able to be there for all your athletes all the time. Yeah. But there are so many different push-pull factors, especially at, at the NCAA level, where, you know, you're managing so much more than the performance of the athlete. And I feel like we are too at the club level, but I certainly have a much larger support system with our parents and our volunteers and coaches. I have a lot of different personalities that I can rely on to make an impact on the athletes in our program. And sometimes at the Division One level or the Division Two II or Three level, it's you. At a lot of Division Three schools, it's one guy or one gal. And, and that's incredibly hard.
0: Yeah, very difficult. I think you know, what you see right now is we're we're seeing conference championships. So you see swimming results, but you don't see the daily grind of having to worry about what they're eating and what time they're going to bed and if they're going to class and what their grades are and what's how's their health and all the other little factors on a daily basis that go into performance at the end of the year and managing those things is it becomes um very difficult over time and and you need a great staff of people around you uh as well and i think it sounds like that's what you have uh at victor right
1: very fortunate and and one of the main reasons why i came back i know the people here so well um and and i know that while i was gone you know things were maintained to that same level of excellence so It was a really easy plug and play for me this year.
0: How do you balance, or how do you? What what is the aim of the program? Everybody wants results. Everybody, and and I think sometimes in swimming we're we're judged on um, winning and losing. You know, first of all, and then time. You know, as as the major, sometimes the only factors in performance. How fast did I swim? How many people did I beat? Really, that's what it comes down to. So, how do you differentiate things in terms of success? How, what do you value within the club, and what do you preach to your kids and to your coaches in terms of how you're going to measure success?
1: That's a great question, and it's something that I've really tried to. I've tried to figure out a way to best disseminate our message to our athletes and our parents over time the biggest factor for me in terms of success is whether or not you've inspired somebody to reach their potential and at the same time teach them to be dedicated to a goal that they have no matter what that goal is even if it's some silly arbitrary goals you know teaching them to goal set and shoot for things that they think were beyond what they were capable of. That's the ultimate goal of the program. Um, We talk, uh, Victor, a lot about creating an environment where your teammate's success is as important to you as your own. And that's the major tenant of what we're trying to do. This year, that message has been more clear than I've made it here in past years. I think if you concentrate on making the other people around you better, the result that you're going to have individually is going to be just as good. I think we focus too much on worrying about, am I doing enough? Am I training hard enough? Am I committed enough? What am I doing every single day instead to make my teammates better? And if I focus that way and I have a group of kids who are focused that way, then we get two really important main components, and that's attitude and effort. Attitude and effort are so critical. And we talk about those two things every single day. Every day before warm-up, every day before the main set, every day after warm-down. Attitude and effort. People get sick and tired of me saying it. I say it every day all the time, and so do my other coaches. So if we're teaching athletes to goal-set, if we're teaching athletes, uh, if we're inspiring them to reach their full potential, and if we're maintaining the fact that we're gonna have great attitude and great effort while putting our teammates' success first, I think we're creating an environment where success is inevitable. And that's the goal.
0: I like that, man. Very nice. And uh, great message every day for the athletes and for, for the young kids. And and that goes towards, I guess, the retention of the of the swimmers too. It it become you know, one of the difficult things i'm sure as a club coach and i experienced this growing up in a club you know you have you have kids that are very committed at a certain age and then it it kind of dissipates and 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 then you know peer pressure comes in and and they're playing other sports and academics and all sorts of things so how do we how do you keep your athletes engaged in the growth and keeping them in the sport
1: That's a great question. This is something that um, I have really tried to be more aware of in the last, I'd say, three or four years. Um, And really tried to find things from some of the better teams in the country, things that they do that keep their parents and athletes involved. Um, And it's something that as a young club coach and as a young college assistant, I thought a lot of the things that I'm doing now were silly and useless. So I'll give you an example. I make a big deal out of holidays uh, at practice. Uh, Halloween is a huge deal for my team. Um, We do an event every year right around the new year called the Mountain Dew Challenge. Uh, and it's a, a series of different events, timed jump rope, underwater kicking with fins, all kinds of different fun events. And the kids know that it's coming, and they look forward to it for weeks. And we actually do some time swims off the blocks, and they're always in season best or fast. Um, so we – and we make a big deal to do that from the top level all the way down to our developmental kits some six, seven, eight-year-olds, all the way through our 18-year-olds. And it just breaks up some of the monotony of the season. The other thing that we do is uh, we do a biweekly newsletter where we celebrate a lot of the kids' success. We talk a lot about different philosophical things within our team culture. That's the main article that's in there. We have something that has all the dates of upcoming things. So this is all in addition to the information that we put out regularly. And the kids look forward to it. They look forward to seeing who the swimmer of the week is, all those kinds of things. The other thing that we're trying to do more of is actively engage our parents uh, with one-on-one meetings with our coaches. So I I started a program a couple of years ago called Coffee with a Coach. And basically, I leave my Friday mornings open so that I can get together with parents. Um, And they're always very productive. And it keeps you on the same page as what the families inside your programs are thinking. You might have a perception as a coaching staff of the message that you're putting out, but they might be hearing something very different. So it helps me stay ahead of a lot of those issues. Um, And it also creates an atmosphere where, you know, they're not afraid to engage with me. Another big change that I made, and I did this while I was down in Long Island, I decided that it is critically important for me to coach the 10 and unders on our club. So in addition to being, you know, the national group coach, the senior group coach, uh, I coach at the basic eight and under 10 and under introductory, uh, progression of Victor swim club. So the first coach that any of them have will be me. And what I've found is that it's done in the last two years, um, you know, is as the athletes progress into different groups, by the time they get back to me, I'm not going to be some scary head coach, Mike, who's loud and running around the pool deck. They will have already had me as a youngster and at the introductory level. And it lets me get to know the younger parents really, really well. And boy, the younger parents on your club are the most important parents on your club. Uh, That's not to say the other parents are not important, but all of these different things have, have allowed us, I think, to really, uh, uh, keep things interesting. And, um, for both the athletes and the families to just keep them engaged and involved in our program.
0: Wow, man. I like all those things. That's amazing. I hadn't heard, uh, couple of those before in terms of what you're doing there, especially the coffee with the parents and opening up to conversation. I think that's really important because a lot of the time they see this, um, this wall up with the coaches, right? Like parents aren't allowed, allowed to talk to the coaches and there's this, there's this, un, you know, like parents will end up talking behind the coaches back instead of just bringing it to the coaches and, and talking. So for the head coach to make himself available, I think is pretty powerful. It's a, that's a cool thing, right?
1: Yeah. Thank you. We, we, um, we think it's really important. And again, you know, that they, they are uh, assets. to to my program. I think, you know, there's always been a little bit of an adversarial uh, 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 notion to, to club coaches and, and parents. I mean, we read about it all the time now. Um, We, I think we got to break some of those walls down and and you're not going to make everybody happy. You know, not every single coffee with the coach will go well. Um, But you know at least that they they know that you're available and now they know your stance on something so you can move forward from there and it it's going to remove any type of negative emotion from future interactions if you both know where each other stand
0: mm. very cool now another thing i had uh, i had an experience a couple of years back where i ran into one of the parents of the kids that had just gone through the college team with me. And, and I said, Oh, what's, what's uh, so-and-so doing now? What's your son doing now? And he said, Oh, he's doing some coaching on the side to make some extra money. I said, Oh, that's great. That's awesome. He said, yeah, he's just doing that um, until he finds a real job. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> um so how do we break the stigma of, you know, you, you were talking about possibly going in, being being an attorney, and that's looked at as obviously one of the best professions you can go into. How do we look at, at as coaching as a profession? How do we make it so that people aspire to want to be a coach and be, be in that profession, swim coach especially? Boy, you know, I, I think
1: we just keep doing what we're doing, um, but I think at the same time, we have to offer up our strengths more than we currently are inside of the structure of our club or inside the structure of USA swimming, right? So to give you an example, um, when I look at some of the best club coaches in the country and, and I see what they're doing and they have, Teams with 600, 700 athletes. They have a corporate office. Maybe they have their own pool. There's no reason to think that, you know, our club here in Victor can't build to that point. So, what are we doing right now to get to that point? Is that something that we want to do? Is it, do we want to be that big? Is, is that where we're heading? You know, we're a top 250 program in the country. Do we want to be inside that, that top 100? Is that our goal? You know, so you look at that and you, you have to look at your look at your team every day and say, OK, well, where are we going? Where do we want to be? So that's the first thing. The other thing is we have all of these gifts as coaches that really operate well outside of our club. So one thing that I did two years ago when I first moved to Long Island was I, I started a business called Warrior High Performance Simlessons. And it's, it's not affiliated with any USA team, but I do my own clinics. Uh, I do my own camps. Um, I do private lessons. And it's a great way for me to get out further in the community, bring people into our team. The other thing is I, I try to hook up with other coaches who are doing things that help further the sport. So, you know, uh, the way that you and I met is I love the small role that I play with fitter and faster. And and it allows me to use uh, the tools that I have to spread our sport even further. So if you take a look at all these different things that we do and and how out there we are inside of our community, inside of the community here in Rochester, New York State, and then the U.S. as a whole, and then, you know, maybe I'll make an impact globally. Who knows? You know, I didn't put the limit on anything. But I get to work with fitter and faster, and I meet all these different people. And so when you take a look at all the different things that we're doing, I think coaches this day and age, we just got to keep doing it. We got to keep doing it because, you know, if you ask any parent on our team right now, they know that for me it's 24-7. You know, he's either traveling for our club, doing something for the club at home. So luckily I, I haven't felt that here, but I absolutely have felt that other places. What do you do during the day? Well, where do you want to start? So it, it's uh, it's something that I think we can address if we just keep doing what we're doing. There's so many new avenues for us as coaches to walk down.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, totally agree with that stuff. And <clears throat> one other way I think that I think you're doing a great job too is there used to be a lot of swim coaches. I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of them were kind of fat and out of shape and, and dressed uh, really sloppy. You know, uh, I, I think when you, you know, some, some coaches that I can think of from the past, just, uh, just didn't look like a profession. Now I know that you've gone through a period, you've always dressed nice by the way, but I, I know you've gone through a period of, um, physical health as well and fitness and reevaluating where you're at with that. And I think that's important. That's an important message for the kids and the parents to see too, that you care about your own health too, right?
1: Oh, it, that, that's that been a, a positive factor on making me an, an even better coach in the last three years. So um, I got to the point where I, I wasn't feeling like I was, you know, uh, really terribly out of shape. But I got to the point where I'm like, I should not be getting tired right now. And I should not be eating the way that I've been eating. And so, uh, I just made a, you know, a couple lifestyle changes. And then all of a sudden, if I didn't get to the gym, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like my day was going well. Um, and so, you know, as I started to get more fit, I had more energy. I became a better coach. I was engaging with people more, um, and the workout every day at the same time became a meditation, a reflection of sorts um on what we were doing where we were who needed to work on what so it just became so much more productive that way well it's the message that you want to send to the athletes and it's something my father and my mom both they always talked about looking professional and you can't look professional when you know you're, you're really out of shape and you're not going to be as professional as you'd like to be um if you're not doing something every day that makes you physically feel good or challenge you physically. You know, there's something good about suffering in a workout. Uh, not to the point where you're in pain, but to the point where, you know, you're making yourself think about what it
0: is you're doing. Yeah. And I know we've been pushing each other in that aspect since we met each other, you know, over a year ago. And um, it's been fun to kind of keep up with you and, and and watch your health. And I can just tell that you're a happier person as well. And you you look like a more motivated coach, you come in with energy. I can just tell from your videos. And so it's nice to see that, man. I think it's important for other young coaches to see the value that you're putting in as a head coach in in your own health. Um, It's only going to help all of us, I believe. So very inspirational. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I get it from you too. I see it on Insta. And then, you know, uh,
1: in October, what we did was in between lessons at our lesson pool, we got a set of twenty, a set of twenty fives, and a set of thirties dumbbells. So every time you rotate out from doing lessons, you get a couple sets in. So <laughs> we just leave you walk into the pool office, there's three sets of dumbbells sitting there on the floor.
0: Nice. Nice. Now a club coaching used to be about a competition who could do the most yardage in terms of how tough the team was. It used to just be grind out yardage especially when I was growing up through the club program I don't know how I made it through actually as a sprinter I ended up taking a lot of a lot of hot showers during practice um so how has it evolved now what what's the philosophy that you're uh taking on as your as your club
1: right so I have always been uh a higher volume coach always and Probably in about the last three and a half years, I made some pretty serious philosophical changes, um, and we still do a lot, but it's a lot more quality than it used to be. It's a lot more focused than it used to be. You know, as a young coach, and you're coming up, and maybe you have a couple good distance swimmers, and you know you're reading things from the past, and you're reading articles, and you're getting fired up, and then. You know, you you might have one or two real special kids who can do some special things. And so maybe you get back to that point. Um, But then, you know, one of the the best things about the sport, as you know, is if you're lucky enough to have kids who buy into what you're doing and they get to a certain level, this whole new world opens up to you, right? So, you know, I'm getting to see what some of the better college coaches are doing, what some of the better club coaches are doing, okay, now we're on deck with some of the fastest athletes in the world and we're watching them swim and we're getting feedback on what they're doing. So I would say over the last three years, I'm probably about 15 to 20% less overall volume than I had done, which is pretty substantial. Mm. Um, I think the, the thing that we're all looking for right now is what is the ideal amount of work for each unique athlete on your team. If you are able to decipher what each person needs on a micro level, as opposed to the macro work that you're doing with the whole group, if if you are able to figure out systems to tailor your training to each athlete, I think you're doing the best job in the world. And, there are certainly coaches that I look at and think, you know, they're pretty close. They're pretty close to being really good about getting every single person on that team to swim fast. And so that's where I think our profession is right now is what factors do we look for inside of our athletes? That's going to give us the best information to tailor their training specifically to what they need.
0: Yeah, very cool. I know that a lot of college coaches and programs are doing that now, so it's nice to see that club has taken a very similar philosophy on board because um, a lot of the times in the past, what we felt like was we, we would have to correct a lot of mistakes when we'd get kids coming into college. But if you're tailoring the program to the individual in, in much younger, then I think that they're getting what they need. Um, you know, individually. And that's, I think that's a good thing moving forward. I think that's going to keep a lot of kids in the sport as well, because when you just lump everybody in with either the best swimmer in the program or um, a philosophy and say, everybody has to do this. I think it's, it's going to match up with a few personalities, but it's going to push a lot of people away as well.
1: I think you're a hundred percent right. And, and, you know, to, to talk about that even further, <clears throat> the hardest change i think for a lot of coaches is to let the success of the athletes the athletes if you come to me after our practice today in 2020 and say you know coach mike I-, I think like that kind of set really just tires me out and i don't i don't feel like it's working for me i'm going to be 100% open to that in 2015 I'm not sure that would have even made me blank. Um, but as I've gone through a lot of this and seen that, you know, I need to trust more of what feedback they're giving me than I had before. And every time I've done that, we've had a positive result. And what I love about it is the athlete owns that success. They're allowed to think, you know, I felt something. I told Coach Mike we made adjustments, and then I went really, really fast. I I know myself. I I know what I need. And so, if our kids from Victor can graduate and they go swimming college, they are going to be so open to whatever that college training program is going to be doing because they know themselves. And it's not going to be one of these conversations that they get into with their college coach and say, "Listen." You know, we we at Victor, this is what we do. You know, and and this is what works for me, and this is the kind of work I need. And I need to do this. And they're going to be able to own it and be open-minded is about trying new things. And I, and I think that's something that we really need to equip them with.
0: Mm. I like that a lot. You know, having the athletes have an understanding of what they're doing and why they're doing it. Because often you'll talk to an athlete and they just have really no idea. But then at the end of the season they want to make changes based on the fact that they they may not get the result they want, but they don't really know what they did, you know? So it's important, I think, that they have a deeper understanding of what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing it, you know? And it's
1: theirs, you know? It's their success. We were here to help, but we're not going to be standing here saying, you know, you were successful because you did this type of work and you need to do these test sets and you need, you know, they understand that the feedback that they gave the coaching staff was instrumental in making them go faster. So they own that. And yeah. that's theirs. And I, I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. I like that. All right. This is a, a three part question. How do you, in terms of your workouts, how do you write your workouts? How do you record your workouts? And then how do you deliver to the athletes, your workouts? So do you, is it handwritten? Is it on a computer? Is it, do you put it on a whiteboard? You know those three questions, how do you write, record and deliver your workouts?
1: This is great. Cause I can, I can talk about our friend, Nate Scholl real quick. So Nate and I uh, always had some great conversations on training. Um, and I use the Urban check system for my energy systems. It's actually kind of a hybrid between what John did and what Josh White does there now uh, with the energy system. So There's a color called platinum and it's max, max effort. You can only get the platinum heart rate, probably 12 and a half top speed velocity.
0: Oh yeah. I live in platinum, man. That's my whole, that's my whole world. Platinum. That's that's your whole world, baby. Right? (laughs) So
1: Nate sent me a shirt yesterday. It's got the Victor logo on the back, but on the front it says super cycle max platinum. (laughs) so (laughs) so i love it uh, he loves he loves getting after me for the stuff that we use but it, it it was awesome so thank you swim nerd for that but um so i i will write it in hand and then i take it to my laptop which i use the old school team manager workout manager um i like that because you know i can put notes inside of it i've got all of my colors built in my energy systems the type of work that we're doing how much stroke we're doing and the 100 pace and 50 pace for everything so I'm a little analytical when it comes to that but I like how it breaks it down so I can really see where we are at what point in the season who was fast when what type of work we were doing and why
0: awesome I love that and then you know in terms of delivering it to the athletes how do they get it every day so we put it up.
1: So one thing that I'm doing, that, that's actually a great question, Brett, because I never did this before this year. Uh, and I'm not sure if I started doing it because of, I feel like there's a, a small cultural phenomenon happening with the way that athletes pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, they're much more verbal at practice. Uh, I would say in these last five years than they were even the five years before that, which is fine. I, I, I actually like that they're engaging each other. Um, but what I'm doing now that I've never done is anytime we're going to start a set, we're going to climb out and we're going to circle up around the whiteboard. And I've really tried to be intentional about that so that we can go step by step. The phrase that I hate more than any other phrase in the American lexicon is wait what and it drives me nuts but I don't want to hear wait, wait what you know what I mean
0: <laughs> Yeah. I hate wait that what do
1: we doing <laughs> yeah, I can't stand it so we do the whiteboard talk and we basically will go through line by line um, and the way that it looks on paper is a lot more complicated than the way I write it up on the whiteboard so typically they get it that way
0: okay love it yeah, that's great. Especially when you have kids, a couple of lanes over, they're not paying attention. They're not listening. Then as soon as you say what you need to say five times and you say, all right, we're leaving on the 60, they're like, wait, what, what are we doing? <laughs> it's like, exactly. Oh my gosh. And even, yeah. even if we're
1: standing in the shallow end and the whiteboards right in front of them, just the act of climbing out kind of resets their focus. Like, okay, we're not, we're not talking right now. We're having kind of a team meeting.
0: Yeah. And I think to
1: just repurpose the focus there, just the act of climbing out of the pool, even if they're a foot from the whiteboard in the shallow end, just climb out so that you know, like, okay, this is different. This is important.
0: Yeah. Good, good stuff, man. You're doing a lot of great stuff. I love it. I um, appreciate the time today. I think it's been helpful for me to get an understanding of what club coaches do. And and some of the things you're doing is, are, are exceptional, I believe. And uh, it's great for, for club coaches to hear as well. You know, just maybe one last thing. What are, what are some of the ways that you uh, maybe get your own personal development as a coach, and and how do you assist your other coaches, your assistant coaches, in in their development? Well,
1: I, I try to you know I talk to you as much as I can. You know, when when I'm around guys like you and Uh, you know, I get to, I get to ask coaches different questions and, you know, one thing that I, I do a lot of, um, is when I'm at a bigger meet and I'm on deck, uh, and I see coaches who, whose opinions that I really value, I, I reach out to them a lot. Um, oftentimes I will kind of nestle my way up to a conversation, um, between, a coach whom I really respect and I just kind of listen to the feedback that they give the athlete. I used to do that to David Marsh all the time. until he started catching me and then, you know, he kind of like, he would joke to me, He Mike, do you want to come over here and see what I'm saying? Um, and uh, so that was, that was always in those, you know, those great, those big time coaches in this country, they're always willing to, you know, let you steal some things and, and talk to you so I always did that I try to go to a lot of clinics it's hard with my schedule but uh, I try to do as much of that as I can and then I try to bring it all to my assistants and anytime that um you know I can bring something back for them I, I do that we have a coaches meeting you know once or twice a month where we try to break some things down um and I have eager coaches so it's it's fun it's fun to to geek out you talk swimming
0: Do you have staff meetings regularly where you you try and get everybody on the same page?
1: We, you know, we we have the time to do that in the fall. Uh, Once December hits, I have coaches on my staff who are also coaching high school programs. Mm. So we get spread out a lot. But one thing I do is I send the, the senior level or the national group workout to the staff every day. So they see what I'm doing. Um, and there's no expectation to, to write a similar practice, but they see exactly what I'm doing every day. Um, and then with that workout, there's usually, you know, I usually, you know, I'll give them updates or whatever else, but in the fall, we'll have two staff meetings a month. And once December hits, we're just so spread out The staff meeting becomes, you know, the hotel lobby or the Airbnb where we're all staying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's Communication's key, man, but uh, keeping everybody on the on the same path is is important as well. So, good stuff, man. Well, is there anything else you need to share before we jump off?
1: No, Brett. Right. It, it was awesome talking to. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the spring.
0: Yeah, man. Can't wait. I'm coming up to Victor. We're going to do a clinic together. We're going to do some some speed work together. So, I always love just uh, experimenting and playing and look, you know, I, I don't have the answers, man. It's great. It's great to talk to you. And I talk to as many people as I can too. And I think all we're trying to do is find ways to get better and, and get faster because ultimately we don't know what the human potential is. It's unlimited. And we're we're seeing people these days, the current swimmers like Katie Ledecky and, and um, Caleb Dressel really pushing the boundaries of what we think is humanly possible. And so I don't yeah, have I, I don't have the answers. Last night,
1: man, yeah. 1.5 on the end of that relay.
0: Yeah, there's just some crazy <laughs> swimming going on. So it's uh it's incredible, man. And I don't know where we're going. Maybe one day we're going to see uh, somebody uh, you know break um break 20 seconds long course for a 50 freestyle on the men's side or maybe maybe we'll see a girl go under 15 minutes in the 1500 long course, you know. So there's just the things are just we don't know where it's going, but I think if we keep talking and we keep learning from each other, and keep I, this is the key for me. We've got to keep lifting each other up. We can't pull each other down and say this person doesn't know what they're doing, and this person's terrible. I'm better than this, and I've got the answers. Like I think we need to really build each other up, and it's part of why I wanted to do this podcast is just to sh- shine light on people like yourself who are doing great things, who do lift the coaches up around them, and I think that's the that's the way we get better, you know
1: oh absolutely absolutely and and you know if 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 so many coaches hadn't taken the time with me you know i mean i'm just so thankful to the people that i've had uh, who have spent the time to to be a mentor in my life as a coach i think that's incredibly important for the sport moving forward
0: yeah yeah i think so too man Uh, I hate it when I hear people say that I'm a sprint guru or I'm a sprint master or I'm a sprint this. I'm not any of those things. I don't know. I I, I don't know anything that I, that I want to know. I feel like I know nothing and uh, I feel like I've coached nobody, even though I've done great things, there's still so much more to do. And I think there are so many people out there doing things better than I've ever done it. And all I am is I, um, I love sprinting you know, I love swimming. Don't get me wrong, but sprinting is, is what I, is my passion. I love it. And so if people were to label me as somebody that loves sprinting, great, but there are so many people out there doing, doing it better than I've ever done it. And I want to learn from those people and that's all I am. And that's all I want to be. And, um, so I just really, I, I wanted to say that because I don't see myself as, as a guru in anything. I just see myself as a student and, and a listener and, I love talking to you, man, and you're always telling me great things. The other day, you you texted me something brilliant, and I kind of just pulled it out and and uh, posted it, you know, and, and it was something that you had just learned, like an epiphany. So, like, just touch on that real quick, what you sent me.
1: Yeah, that was actually, um, and it's funny, I think it's before you even had Coach uh, Jack Roach on, um, but it's kind of something that he had... Uh, he had never said those words. So that, that was just a thought I had, but he talks a lot about, you know, how are you emotionally empowering your athletes? What, what are you doing uh, outside of, of the work that's on the paper, outside of the sets that you're giving them? What are you doing as their coach, uh, as a leader in their life? What, what are you doing to build up their ability to, to handle pressure, to enjoy moments? to look at a championship meet as an opportunity to enjoy yourself and have fun and and look beyond whatever types of internal or external pressure you're putting on them. And so when I think about that and I and I and I think about the way that I'm going to talk to my athletes, it, it really their their success, it's always going to rely on them, on their ability to focus and do the work and whatever else but it's important that they understand that I'm here to support that journey first. And if I'm going to do that, then it's less about the workout itself and more about what I'm doing to encourage that mentality, to encourage them to step up. I had a talk with a college athlete this week, one of my former athletes, club athletes, and this swimmer was so worried about the results of the conference meet that's coming up this weekend, whether or not it's going to be fast enough to make the NCAA team that they're going to have. And I said, look, the the one thing that you can do now is have a plan for the result that you want and have a plan for the result that you might not want. But instead of focusing on those things, that's your backup. The first thing you got to do is go in there and have some fun. That's why we do it. It's a cliche, but that's why we do it. It's got to be fun. If it's not fun, we're not going to be successful.
0: Yeah. Great advice, man. I completely agree that we have to be enjoying it because you're not going to get the best result you've ever got if you're not in a happy place and you're not completely relaxed and taking in the moment. Um, If there's tension and anxiety and pressure that is having a negative effect on your body, you'll never get the result that you want you know that's it yeah well good stuff man like uh i think we can i think we've figured out we could just talk for hours so um <laughs> you, you got work to do i got some stuff to do and um hopefully we'll come back again and have another chat in the future all right
1: sounds great bro. thanks a lot for having me on and uh, looking forward to seeing you in the spring
0: thanks mike talk to you soon
1: all right bye-bye. bye bye